1: with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2.
2: Did you read the report? The IG report, not the Mueller report, the IG report. Department of Justice comes out with the IG report. And President Trump says that the probe was justified while the DOJ IG is saying that the FBI acted efficiently. We're going to dive into all of it. If you're not following it, I promise I will break it down. All of the specifics, but the Department of Justice inspector general releasing a report earlier this afternoon saying that the FBI behaved appropriately in their investigation into 2016. President Trump and his Republican allies have pushed back against that. Meanwhile, new developments on the trade front, USMCA this time. The latest on whether or not we are inching ever closer to a new NAFTA 2.0 agreement. All of this comes as the final showdown continues ahead of the December 15th tariff deadline that President Trump has set for the U.S. and China. On phase one, I'll give you that. And we're going to check in with Congressman Chris Stewart, a Republican from Utah, the latest on all of the developments on Capitol Hill, plus a new development that he says will bridge the divide between the LGBTQ community and the religious right. How can he do that? I'm going to ask him about his new bill. And George, this is your first time on the program. And I got to say, you're getting the first question because you complimented me. I'm easy. You complimented me on the theme song, which I got to choose for this program of Elevation by you 2 and then you tell me that you're friends with Bono.
3: I am. I met Bono about 15 years ago, and he came to lunch at my house, and one of the guests at the lunch, even though there was no ask, gave a million and a half bucks to the One Campaign. Well, first
2: of all, the One Campaign is amazing, (laughs) and when I was a high school student, I had the one white band that, like, well, the equivalent would have been the Livestrong thing, but... The burning question on everyone's mind, what did Bono eat for lunch?
3: Bono ate a steak because he was in Texas. So we right. had meat. <laughs> we served meat down there. All right. <laughs> no plant-based. All meat.
2: <laughs> You're going to get me in trouble with the vegans. <laughs> uh, all right. So big developments up on Capitol Hill. Chris Strom on the Bloomberg Terminal reporting for the Bloomberg Terminal. The Federal Bureau of Investigation acted... Properly, When it began a broad investigation into whether then candidate Donald Trump or people around him conspired with Russia to interfere in the 2016 election, according to the Justice Department's inspector general, quote, the FBI had an authorized purpose when it opened the probe to obtain information about or to protect against a national security threat or federal crime, even though the investigation also had the potential to impact constitutionally protected activity. President Trump, however, well, he read differently into the IG report. Take a listen to the president of the United States following the release of this report.
4: It's a disgrace what's happened uh, with respect
2: to the things that were done to our country. It should never again happen to another president. Kevin Walling, come in here as the impeachment proceedings up on Capitol Hill continued today. And articles of impeachment now, we're we're learning, could be coming as early as Wednesday. This IG report does what?
5: Uh, Well, it should put to bed all of the conspiracy theories about the start of the Russia probe. This was an exhaustive, independent examination into the origins of the Russian probe that then became the Mueller report. Over a million documents were reviewed, 170 interviews of participants going back to the former Attorney General, Loretta Lynch, Jim Comey. Uh, They even got Mr. Steele to come sit for an interview. Uh, And it says, as, uh, as you said, that the FBI had authorized purpose, which is a statement of the FBI saying that there was credible evidence to launch this investigation. There was no political bias whatsoever. There was no violation of FBI rules with regards to informants. Uh, and that the Russian investigation was a valid investigation into uh, into well, what probing this, what the Trump administra- the Trump campaign's contacts with Russia.
2: Well, what this does, George, is we got to think back back to 2016, where, remember, th- whether or not there should have been an investigation into the Trump campaign at the time, that was the big question. Michael Horowitz, the Inspector General of the Department of Justice, coming out today with a four hundred and thirty four page report and saying that they acted okay. ABC News caught up with Christopher Wray, the FBI director. Take a listen to Chris Wray.
3: This is a serious report. We take it extremely seriously, but it does not impugn the integrity of the FBI as a whole or our workforce across the board.
2: I'm just not sure that the, the developments of the IG report today do anything to shift the narrative of impeachment.
3: It doesn't. He's going to be impeached, and then he's not going to be convicted in the Senate, and i've never been more ready for an election to come in my entire life. i'm ready for the american people to speak and either put him back in there or put somebody else in there. it's we've talked about this long enough and i think that fbi Exhausting. director is in a defensive posture because it's clear that there was a lot of political activity going on there and it's a sad day for america because the fbi needs to be completely non-political.
2: so what what's really interesting in terms of where this week goes And where the headlines go, because I I think if you're if you're in your car on your way home from work and you're trying to, number one, drive safely on these extra slick roads here inside of the beltway. So it's pretty miserable out there. Yeah. Yeah. But number two, in in all seriousness, as you try to navigate through the headline risk and coming up on the program, we'll talk about the market volatility as it relates to policy and trade. But the noise coming out of Washington over the next three weeks is going to be incredibly, incredibly loud. Wednesday, you're likely going to get articles of impeachment. From there, before the end of the year, there will likely be a vote in the House of Representatives on the articles of impeachment. Assuming that the Democratic-controlled House votes to impeach President Trump, the next development will be Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, the top Republican in the Senate, trying to work with Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer to develop the rules. Think of it as like the referee, the rules for the Senate trial. Now, if Democrats, and this is a real possibility, Kev, if, if Schumer and, and the Dems don't go off with McConnell to get these, this rules package, then McConnell's going to have to work specifically with the, some conservative Supreme Court justices to get some some wisdom and or some uh, guidance. Wisdom's a political word. <laughs> guidance, and then he's going to have to work with Republicans. That'll be the next vote in the Senate is on the rules, and then a six to eight week trial. Procedurally, we're in this for the long haul.
5: And of course, you know, and and the one variable also too is John Roberts. Then becomes the uh, the uh, the judge. Re- responsible for carrying out that impeachment hearing uh, in the Senate. And that then actually becomes more of a courtroom kind of atmosphere uh, where you have witnesses uh, called by both sides. The impeachment articles are presented (coughs) by members of the House, uh, likely members of the House Judiciary Committee, uh, that are responsible for that. One other key thing this week, too, Kev, is we've got actually Michael Horowitz coming before the Senate Judiciary Committee on Wednesday. Is anybody Uh, in
2: Texas talking about this in your business circles?
3: No. No. They know what's going to happen. It's obvious. And And the
2: markets have priced it in. I mean, you know, Kev Walling and Kev Cirilli over here, me, we're we're obsessed. (laughs) But we love this stuff. We love this stuff. We live for this, but no one's blinking. The markets aren't moving. Bono doesn't care
5: about this stuff.
2: Uh, Bono, I I don't want to. I would never. (laughs) Listen, Bono, if you're listening, I would never put words in your mouth. on the show. Just put some steak in his mouth. You are the theme song to the program. We love that album, my all-time favorite album. But enough about me. Who cares about me? But markets aren't moving on this. They care about trade. Absolutely. So and, coming and up, we're going to talk about trade. How about that? That sounds great. All right, USMCA, the latest developments, plus some breaking news headlines. Crossing the Bloomberg Terminal, McKinsey, McKinsey has released Pete Buttigieg from the non-disclosure. Wow. Download the Bloomberg Sound on Podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. My name is Kevin Cirilli. I'm the Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Radio. Kevin Walling stays. George C., U2's very own fan, stays. And I'll stay, too. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1.
1: You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2.
2: For the first time in my eight years of Washington, I am taking four days of vacation. And I am I'm told by Christine Barata, our executive producer, that June Grosso is going to be filling in for this week. But I'll be back one week from today. My name is Kevin Cirilli. I'm the Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg TV and Radio. Kevin Walling is here, Democratic Strategist. Uh, Kev, what should I do on my vacation? Uh,
5: well, I just found out that you joined the gym right around the corner, so spend some <laughs> time there. Say it's, a which good, gym. <laughs> it's a good way to clear your head uh, and, and put things back in perspective. So, stay away, away from those Peloton bikes and uh, and just go to the gym.
2: Wow, that was some aggressive op- opining. <laughs> well, that, you put me on the spot. You know, that's what we do here, Kev. <laughs> And George C. is here, uh, CEO of Annandale Capital, Texas businessman. He's the former Texas finance chairman to Rick Perry's 2012 campaign and the senior advisor to the Rubio 2016 campaign. George, what should I do on my vacation?
3: Go to Grand Cayman and go scuba diving and sit on the beach. That's a a bit more fun.
2: George wins. So, George, (laughs) you're getting the first question for this segment. Uh, Tariffs. Let's talk tariffs. All right. So there's some really major new developments on USMCA, and we're hearing that they're inching closer to a handshake deal between President Trump as well as Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi. They might even vote on it by the end of the year. Let's start there, and then we'll expand out to the US-China front. But how important is passing USMCA, George, from your all of the, the conversations that you have with the business community, how important is that for getting ratified by the end of the year?
3: Well I think most people are unaware that Mexico and Canada are our number 1 and number 2 trading partners. China's a distant distant third, so it's much more important than the tariff war with China. We've got to get it done. 45% of the benefits of NAFTA flow through Texas. So we're very biased about this and it would How really undermine our again? economy. 45% 45% of what does,
2: from, from
3: of our of the trade uh, benefit that we get from the NAFTA trade agreement flow through Texas because of all wow. the traffic through from Mexico coming through mm. Texas. Think so about it's that. critical It's critical for our economy and the country, so I'm very biased about this. They need to get it done.
2: And it's something that many Democrats are also supportive of
3: as they should be. It's good for the country. And it's ironic, though, when you pivot to China and look at China, because I'm a free trader to the core, but I love the tariff war. The Chinese have lied, cheated, and stealed for decades, and it's time to hold them account for that. And most people, I think, don't understand as well that the tariff wars are a mi- minuscule fraction of our economy. They don't affect our economy very much. They're really affecting the Chinese. All right. So it's an effective weapon.
2: I'm going to get there. I do just want to give some developments because today. It's hard to juggle all of these different trade fronts, and we, we try to manage them. But today, Monday, really driven by the developments on the USMCA trade front, a headline just crossing the Bloomberg Terminal 27 minutes ago. The U.S. labor leader Richard Trumka of the AFL-CIO is said to back and support President Trump's NAFTA rewrite on USMCA. Remember that that had not been the case just two weeks ago. But now Richard Trumka, a leading labor force, the president of the AFL-CIO, the largest labor federation in the United States, is supporting a compromise deal on the trade pact hammered out between U.S. Trade Representative Bob Lighthizer and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, as well as Mexico Democrats had been talking with Canadian counterparts on the trade front the other week as well. President Trump again securing approval for the USMCA trade agreement from Richard Trumka, Kevin. That's a big deal.
5: It's a huge deal, and and, and George made some great points on the USMCA. Uh, uh, we also know too that Speaker Pelosi was working the phones in support of the the uh, agreement uh, over the weekend, spending many hours uh, with her members, uh, with negotiators uh, behind this. She know. Knows this is a good policy for this country. It's good for the caucus. It's good for Republicans, uh, and it also demonstrates that government, at least on this level, can get things done while impeachment is going on. You know, you saw Mark Penn, uh, who uh, spearheaded Clinton's response to the impeachment, telling the president, "You got to get things done while you're also being impeached." As a good campaign tool, uh, so that voters see that you're actually getting things done. This is a, a slam dunk, I think, for Democrats and Republicans alike, and hopefully, it'll be signed by the end of the year.
2: Bob Lightheiser and Jared Kushner. Going to travel to Mexico tomorrow in an effort to finalize that deal. My colleagues reporting on the Bloomberg Terminal, great reporting by my by my colleagues Eric Wasson, Josh Wingrove, Jenny Leonard, and of course Jennifer Jacobs. Who, by the way, I was with Jen Jacobs yesterday at the African American History Museum. Kev, have you been there yet?
5: I have been many oh. times, uh, oh. and it's, it's a my really second coo- time. Yeah. It's a really cool place. Is the Oprah exhibit still there? Yeah, the- yeah
2: there were pieces that she donated so they, so
5: they had a, a like a long time oprah oh, exhibit wow. with like all of her emmys all of her dresses a lot of her interviews it's a really incredible place second to time Anacon. i
2: went and it, i think that is the way to do it and to go in pieces because you yeah. can spend forever
5: because you've got the history down below and then you've uh-huh. got all the pop culture sports music that's almost its own museum i did for that yeah
2: pro- <laughs> year like when it opened and then I got up to the uh, the Emmett Till exhibit, which is just just so powerful. All right, coming up, we're going to talk U.S.-China trade policy. Panel stays George C., Kevin Walling. Download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find me on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli. Again, key developments on USMCA as lawmakers inching closer with the backing of the AFL-CIO, inching closer to— Potentially getting that completed by the end of the year. USMCA now inches for, uh, from, from getting it in the end zone. You're getting to Bloomberg 99 1.
0: The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at Qatar Economic Forum.com.
1: This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2.
2: I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Radio. Congressman Chris Stewart, Republican from Utah, is going to call in in a couple of minutes. We'll give you the. Le- we'll bring you that interview. He's got this this new legislation that he says is going to, to, to make a bridge between the religious right and the LGBTQ community. You don't want to miss this bill, uh, this interview on this bill because it is really interesting to see how they're going to navigate uh, this, per- typical, this particular. Issue, I do need a vacation, Kevin Walling, yes, Democratic strategist. <laughs>
5: Struggling a little bit,
2: you know. <laughs> you need some time off, my and man. George C's here as well, <laughs> CEO of Annandale Capital. What does Annandale Capital do?
3: We manage money all over the world for institutions and individuals across private equity, public stocks and bonds, real estate, oil and gas. You name it.
2: So, how is the the, the U.S. China trade back and forth been impacting the 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 people that you serve?
3: Almost no impact whatsoever really? because we don't do a whole lot of business in China. It's mainly in Hong Kong where we do business, so that has some impact. Oh. But we don't do business on the mainland because there's no rules and they cheat, lie, and steal all the time, and we don't want to put money there.
2: You said something interesting earlier in the show when we were talking about USMCA that I want to come back to, which was you don't mind these tariffs against China.
3: I really don't. There
2: I are think a lot of people in the business community who's – that's like nails on the chalkboard for them. So <laughs> tell me why they're wrong.
3: I think they're wrong because it's past due. We we call China to account for cheating in the global trading system. If you want to have access to the WTO and productive relationships with other countries on trade, you got to play fair. And they don't play fair, and it's time for us to roast them until they do. Phase
2: one, the president says, will not be impacted by the continued protests, the Democratic, lowercase d, protests in Hong Kong. Now, there's been legislation that, that passed nearly unanimously by Republicans and Democrats with someone that you previously worked with, Senator Marco Rubio, a Republican from Florida, really pushing forward that legislation that would allow for the United States to add additional sanctions to folks in Hong Kong that are trying to squash the protests and Chinese officials who are trying to squash those, again, lowercase d Democratic protests. Uh, you, You do business with a lot of folks in Hong Kong. I do. Tell me, Take us to their reality right now, and, and how those Hong Kong protests are impacting the business community, or if they're not having an impact.
3: Huge impact on Hong Kong. It's really scary, and people are afraid over there. And it's total baloney for the administration to say it has no impact on the trade really? talks. It's it has a big impact. How the Trump administration tried to ignore it for a long time, and the Congress gave a full-throated defense of Hong Kong democracy, which they should have been, and injected it, and now they have to deal with it. Now, the good news is the Chinese need to deal so bad because their economy is being hurt. They will do a deal anyway, but they're, they're t- going to try to deflect that as much as they can, but it's a little bit out of control at this point.
2: So, so if again, help help us understand this, because we're in such a bubble here, number one, inside the Washington Beltway, but number two, in America, in terms of understanding the protest, obviously, there is, it's a nonpartisan issue, support for the protesters in hong kong but you said that that is having a huge effect on on the business community in hong kong how give us a i know you can't tell us specifically who but give us an anecdote almost of of how hong kong businesses are being impacted by the protest
3: well they can't they can't run effectively when there's millions of people in the street clogging traffic shutting people down, not letting them get to work. And It also affects the business climate, which is the biggest part of it. So there's a huge psychological impact in foreign businesses that want to do business in Hong Kong and all of a sudden say, this is an unstable environment, I can't participate here anymore, or I need to pull back at a minimum. So it's it's having a really serious bad impact, but it's worth it to fight for democracy. And in
2: terms of investments, what's the number one sector in Hong Kong? What sectors are there? Finance yeah. and trade. There's, there's a services. huge
3: shipping industry there and trading yeah. industry.
2: yeah. Uh, Kevin Walling, you hear George C. talking about this in terms of the economic impact that U.S. and China trade relations are having, broadened out from the political lens in terms of where, when we're going to start hearing about this, and I don't know, the contrast between how a Democratic administration would negotiate with China uh, as opposed to a second term of the Trump administration?
5: Yeah, it's a good question, Kevin. Uh, I'm actually really loving the, the insights provided by George. Yeah, so am uh, I. Uh, Finally, this, someone knows what we are talking about. You know, you, you, you have some Democrats that have actually supported the president, you know, talking tough on China, Senator Mark Elizabeth Warner. Warren, Mark Warner, uh, Bernie Sanders, even. Uh, we're seeing, you know, I, I do think there's a realistic impact for a lot of sectors here in this country. The Dow is down over 100 points today on the new economic data that shows a decline in, in Chinese exports. Um, I think it's going to be a pivotal pivotal week for uh, the economy and markets this week, uh, as we get more indications. We saw in real-time, when the President was at the NATO conference, speaking about the timeline, potential timeline for this first phase, or, or any kind of deal uh, with China. And you saw the down, down 400, 500 points, nearly, yeah. as the President was speaking. So, the markets react very closely to uh, what this President is saying on this. Uh, and, and I'm hopeful that we'll get some kind of arrangement and then it won't be after the election.
2: Yeah, that's it. Let's, let's, uh, let's rip up the script, as my good friend here and mentor Tom Keene always tells me. Rip up the script. I don't want to conflate stories, but we got to. Because, again, we're staring down the next three weeks of volatility coming out of Washington, D.C. December 15th. December 15th is when the president has said he would raise tariffs on China should they not finalize... The U.S.-China phase one deal. Then we're getting rumblings that that we could, if you read through all the headlines today, though CNBC did walk back their initial report of the December 18th signage of USMCA. So you've got a potential, a lot of trade headlines that week in December. Then impeachment, but that hasn't moved in the markets. But the CR. You throw impeachment it's like a bad and joke, go, and George. A potential government shutdowns. C R and a wall walk into Congress, what happens? Total chaos. Total chaos. <laughs> I mean, in, in terms of all of this volatility, it's it's as unpredictable as my beloved Philadelphia Eagles, <laughs> who I know are gonna beat the Giants tonight. Coming up Congressman Chris Stewart calls him for an interview, and we'll check in with what's on the panel's radar. Download the Bloomberg Sound on podcast on Apple iTunes at bloomberg.com, or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find me on radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli, and today Bloomberg remembers. Paul Volcker has passed away. He was the inflation tamer who set the risk rule and passed away at 92. Paul Volcker, the former Federal Reserve chairman who broke the back of U.S. inflation in the 1980s and three decades later led President Barack Obama's bid to rein in the investment risk-taking of commercial banks, has died. He was 92. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1.
1: This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2.
2: I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. Impeachment hearings continuing on Capitol Hill. Earlier today, it was like a ping pong match. Back and forth, back and forth. The Republicans defending Trump, the Democrats attacking Trump i don 't see based upon my reporting how the calculus changes at all kevin walling 's here Democratic strategist at hg creative media george c 's also here he 's the CEO of Annandale Capital, a Texas businessman and has advised everyone from Rick Perry to Marco Rubio and We talked a little bit earlier about the impeachment Kevin Walling, uh, but I mean i, I just i don 't know I mean take us inside of speaker pelosi 's political orbit. Do you think that maybe she wanted to get this done by the end of the year because it's starting to feel like Groundhog Day?
5: <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. I think you know, there's always a focus on the timeline. I think your your impressions are are spot on in terms of you know our politics are so tribal, especially with these two committees, intelligence and, and judiciary, uh, that uh, everything is for show. I mean, the, the vast majority of folks that ask questions of the members today uh, took their time to, to make statements rather than actually uh, asking majority uh, and. And minority counsel on this. Uh, I, I think the the interesting thing will come will be when it comes to the Senate. Uh, where you have seen you know you have the the House members that have said the president has done nothing wrong, right, and the American people believe that 's not true you know seventy eighty percent say it was wrong that he made that phone call right, so we can agree that and and you 've seen some senators say what the President did was wrong, does it rise to the level of impeachment i don 't know yet right as potential jurors uh, in uh, in a hearing uh, so you know you go from zero uh, to 100 from the House to the Senate, uh, and that will be the interesting calculus in, in, in my mind.
2: Okay, so uh, from based upon what's out there in terms of the timeline, final versions of articles of impeachment as soon as Thursday might be the end of the week. The vote for the full House the following week with regards of impeachment, the president poised to become only the third U.S. president to be impeached ever. And then it would, of course, go to the Senate. Now, in terms of what they're actually going to impeach him for, likely obstruction of justice, uh, obstructed Congress, uh, and... Anything else?
5: Yeah, I mean, you know, you kind of read through the tea leaves on, on the Sunday shows, and, and Chairman Schiff of the Intelligence Committee has said that he would like to see it tailored really specifically to uh, the Ukraine uh, situation, and less so uh, when it came to the Mueller probe and, and the t- ten or twelve uh, instances of a potential obstruction of justice. So I think you're going to see a really, ta- you know, that that is a pretty good indication of where the caucus is, where Speaker Pelosi and her leadership team is, uh, you know, deputizing uh, Chairman Schiff to to lead a lot of this. So I think it's going to be very specific to Ukraine on those likely three articles. And
2: down there in Texas, they're not talking about this.
3: Not a a bit. What are they talking about? Talking about the business, cowboys, the cowboys, and business and family.
2: Well, that's so it's firehouse. But they, they probably strategy.
3: are talking a little bit about impeachment because everybody's I, talking about I impeachment. I never hear about it. Okay. No, nobody. No wants one to talk in the business.
2: I'm telling. Like he's not lying. If you look at the Bloomberg terminal, legit, that's
3: all we care about here in this <laughs> in the swamp. That's walling, all we talk about
5: in the swamp. Walling, I'm not making this up.
2: If you look at the Bloomberg terminal and you see the, the 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 headlines coming out as it relates to trade, up and down, up and down, up and down. The markets up and down. Yeah. But then the impeachment stuff. Legit nothing!
5: Anything about the shutdown? Potential shutdown? No, no, not on that either. Trade I, I would step back a minute trade and, look, and jobs. look at
3: the historical precedent. And you look at what Harry Reid did on judges about less than a decade ago and what the effect that has been, the boomerang effect. I think you may get something similar here where a Democratic president who should not be impeached, no matter what you think about whether Trump should be impeached or not, is impeached anyway because it's more of a food fight in the, in the Congress. And I don't think that's good for the country. So I mean, this I'm may totally, bite the Democrats later on.
2: I'm about to throw a gauntlet <laughs> – should Bill Clinton have been impeached?
3: I, I don't think so. Well, right. well, maybe. The perjury, he did perjury, perjury himself, yeah, right? Yeah. That's a real serious But offense. should we have gotten to the point? But should we be getting into all yeah. the misbehavior? It you know, was, no. It was what tawdry did say? and it was Those a are a living mistake. glass houses.
5: Amen.
2: Uh, <laughs> Firehouse Strategies has this incredible, uh, not incredible, I mean, it has an interesting, incredible groundbreaking, it has a poll out. <laughs> it has a poll out today. Firehouse Strategies, our friends over there, Scott Tranner and uh, Terry Sullivan have this poll out in Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. You ready for this? 68% of nonpartisans in Wisconsin think that Congress should focus on policy and not impeachment. In Pennsylvania, 52% of nonpartisans think that Congress should focus on policy and not impeachment. And in Michigan, are you ready for this? 68% of nonpartisans think that Congress should focus on policy, not impeachment. Let's crunch those numbers even further. In Wisconsin, fifty-one percent of Democrats focus on policy, not impeachment. In PA, forty-two percent of Democrats focus on policy, not impeachment. Michigan, thirty-nine percent of Dems. This, if the, if if you subscribe to the school of thought which would agree, which would argue that this election will be decided in those battleground states. This poll, num- these poll numbers are scary for Speaker Pelosi.
3: Well, two two comments on that. First of all, you go back to Bill Clinton and his his impro- approval rating went up after he got impeached because everybody thought it was nonsense after a while. And back to Speaker Pelosi, whether you like her or don't don't like her, she's one of the consummate politicians and legislative leaders of this day. And she didn't want to do this, but now that she is doing it, she's trying to get it out of the way as quickly as possible because it it has the vast potential to hurt Democrats if if it drags out too long.
2: All right, joining us on the telephone line is Congressman Chris Stewart. He is a Republican representing Utah. He is also a member of the Intelligence Committee. Congressman, thank you for calling in. I appreciate your time, and I want to talk about a new piece of legislation that you are proposing. But first, we have to ask you about impeachment. What is the timetable, Congressman, that you are hearing for when that vote might happen in the House of Representatives?
4: Oh, my gosh, you tell me, right? <laughs> because this thing, this thing changes day-to-day, to hour-to-hour day to hour. Uh, You know, we've been doing this impeachment thing for three years on the Intelligence Committee. First it was the Russian collusion and now this Ukrainian thing. Uh, I think we're likely to vote on it before Christmas. And the reason being, and I know there will be some who disagree with this – but the reason being is I think my Democratic colleagues have realized the longer this goes on, the worse it is for them, and the less people support it. Uh, I think they want to get this out of the House and off their table and over to the Senate as quickly as possible. And there's nothing more to learn. That's the remarkable thing. Is I mean, look, we knew everything there was to learn about this within the first week of this whole thing. So I'll be surprised. I'll be really surprised if we don't vote on it, not this week, but the week after this, you know, the week before Christmas.
2: Congressman Chris Stewart's on the line. I didn't know this about you, but you actually hold three world speed records. You are the you hold the world record for the fastest nonstop flight around the world.
4: Yeah. Wow. That was a lot more fun than being in Congress, by the way. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. Well, let me ask you about this new legislation, because you've got a bill out that you say will bridge the gap between the LGBTQ community and the religious right. How are you going to do that?
4: Yeah, I mean, this really is. This is a this is an effort we've been working with this coalition for three years. Uh, LGBTQ community, uh, some religious groups, uh, you know, from across the spectrum of religious community. And what it does is it just says, look, you, you shouldn't discriminate against someone based on their on their sexual identification, and you also should not compel someone who has sincerely held religious beliefs that are based on the foundations and teachings of their church that in many cases go back, you know, thousands of years. You shouldn't compel them to do things which they feel are against the teachings and the basic tenets of their church. And what this bill does is it protects both. And it's so obvious, and it's such a uh, uh, such a great compromise. We just held a press conference here where yep. we had members from national LGBTQ groups. We had leaders from uh, a diverse uh, number of organiza- organized religions. Uh, and we think it's going to help reduce some of the contention and strife in our society Who, as we fight these things out in the courts. We think that's the worst outcome is just to fight for this for another generation so and to have the would... uncertainty about it.
2: We're just so pressed for time. I mean, I, first of all, thanks for calling it. But it would protect... It would protect the gay community from being fired for a job for being gay. Correct? Yep. Exactly. But it wouldn't, it wouldn't if it was a small business under the size of 15 people.
4: I'm sorry? Are you asking what?
2: Yeah, if, if, if a small business, 15 people or less, that, it wouldn't apply to, to
4: those? No, it doesn't, it doesn't apply. It, it allows for family businesses realizing that there's a difference between, to use a case that we hear about all the time, there's a difference between a small bakery in, in Colorado and, say, Sarah Lee or McDonald's, you know, National Corporations. Okay. And allows a carve out for, you know, small businesses that, you know, they have uh, and they they may not have the number of employees where they can accommodate these kind of things, allows them to operate a small business. But at the same time, we generally say you can't discriminate against someone uh, just because they're gay. All
2: right. Well, Congressman, we, we I got to leave it there because we are so pressed for time. But come back on the program because I want to talk, number one, how you flew around the world so fast. And I do want to give more time. Uh, to this particular topic as well and of course all the of the developments on intel but thank you congressman for calling in appreciate your time it's a fascinating bill kevin walling democratic strategist and george c ceo of annandale capital and unfortunately we're pressed for time but george this is your first time on the show would you ever come back
3: absolutely (laughs) we'd be glad to be fun and
2: and even you're going to root for the eagles tonight
3: I am going to root for the Eagles, actually. It'll make the Cowboys game more fun.
2: Interesting. All right, appreciate that. I'm Kevin Cerilli I'm going on vacation. I'll be back next week. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1.